The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. We're your weekly question and answer mailbag for all things Buffalo Bills. So send in your questions for next week's episode and future episodes on our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. You can text that number as well uh, with any questions. Again, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsq&a with the word and spelled out in the middle. Send us emails, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Instagram messages, Facebook messages to the Buffalo Rumblings official account will make their way to me as well. So lots of ways to get in touch with the show to leave your questions for next week's episode. But as it stands now, the Bills have beaten the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Divisional round to advance to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Before we get to that and some other news that's going on, Uh, I wanted to go over my uh, takeaways from the game against the Baltimore Ravens, kind of look back before we look forward. So these were my immediate reactions during and uh, after the game. Uh, Headlining it all, Taron Johnson, of course. Um, I ran out of the room when uh, Johnson caught the interception uh, because I was so excited and my kids were like half asleep next to me. Um, You know, it was a late game. I have a a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And so they were kind of sleeping on the couch, dozing off um, during the game. They wanted to watch the game, uh, but just, you know, physically weren't able to make it. So when Johnson picked it off, I just like ran out of the room, like started to celebrate. And then I came back and they were celebrating in the end zone. And I was a little bit uh, flummoxed for a second. I had to watch the replay. Uh, But of course, I've watched the replay over and over again since that. It was... uh, as Josh Allen called it after the game, a franchise-altering moment. Um, it's one of the biggest plays in Buffalo Bills history. It's a play we'll be talking about probably for a pretty long time. And uh, if the Bills end up winning the Super Bowl, it's, uh, it might go you know on the Mount Rushmore, uh, depending on what happens over the next two weeks. Um, it might go on the Mount Rushmore if Buffalo Bills plays. <clears throat> but... Uh, but Johnson has two of the biggest plays of the entire Buffalo Bills season. He jump-started them against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football. He, what, a 14-point swing um, from 
the Ravens scoring a potential touchdown to the Bills scoring a touchdown uh, and really putting that that game away. I mean, it, it could have been a tie game, and instead uh, the Bills were up 14 points. So it it was a really momentous play uh, for the Bills and in both both occasions. So uh, way to go, uh, Taron Johnson, uh, the Buffalo Bills slot cornerback. Switching gears uh, back to the Buffalo Bills offense, they really didn't run the ball a lot in the game. Uh, they didn't run it for the first 16 minutes, um, and then it was only a third and eight scramble from Josh Allen uh, that counted as the first rush, even though it wasn't called that way in the huddle. Uh, there was 13 passes before a single running play and 18 passes and a scramble um, before the first run came with 3.03 left in the first half. That's not a lot. And the Bills became the only the third team since 1991 to give their running back only one carry in the first half. All three teams won, by the way. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, noteworthy. I was pretty outspoken and adamant that the Bills shouldn't run against the Colts in the second half uh, of the wildcard round, and uh, the Bills kind of took that advice this week. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, conversely, the Ravens did run it a lot. They ran 13 rushes to three passes in the first quarter, um, and then 18 runs to 18 passes in the first half. Uh, it wasn't terribly effective for them, but they were still in the game, and um, you know they just were really run heavy uh, to start the game. But the Buffalo Bills defense really stepped up, and I'll get to more about this in just a second. But uh, defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier uh, interviewed with the Texans on Sunday, and you can see how he padded his resume on Saturday. They held the Ravens to three points, their lowest point total in a long time. It was a 2009 loss in the playoffs. So Lamar Jackson didn't score a touchdown for the first time in his career. Uh, it was just a massively impressive game plan by the Buffalo Bills defense. And we'll get into some more specifics on that in a second. Um, finally, there were some odds and ends that I talked about. Corey Borges had a good game. Um, drew a penalty to seal the game. It was nice. Um, had a nice scoop and punt on a, a poor Reed Ferguson snap. Um, the Bills brought the heat. They blitzed a ton from the second and third levels, limiting Lamar Jackson. Um, they brought safeties. They brought cornerbacks. Um, I think Levi Wallace had a sack. Uh, Taron Johnson had a tackle for a loss. Like, they just were bringing the heat. <clears throat> and finally, what, what the heck happened to Justin Tucker? Um, probably the best kicker of all time had two doinks off the uh, uprights uh, in Buffalo. The, the, it was windy, for sure, and uh, Tyler Bass missed a kick as well in the wind and you could see it affecting the quarterbacks as well um i think steve tasker and john murphy were talking about how it was affecting the fans too getting hit in the face with some of the wind um so you at least understand it but i mean tucker has just been so automatic and you could see it on his face on the broadcast he was just kind of uh, bewildered and uh, definitely did not see that one coming all right, so those were my immediate reactions right after the game. But then as I woke up the next morning, um, I thought about it some more. And I wrote uh, two pieces uh, over the last couple days uh, that I wanted to highlight. First was um, a Tredavious White appreciation post. Um, when Taron Johnson picked it off in the end zone, White was the guy that got out in front of him uh, to lay the block on Lamar Jackson and allow Taron Johnson to score. You also saw Micah Hyde sprinting down the field. You also saw Justin Zimmer, the defensive lineman, sprinting down the field um, to help spring Johnson, make a block if they had to, or you know recover a fumble if you know uh, the receiver punched it out or Lamar Jackson was able to punch it out. Um, 
Jordan Poyer laid a really nice block um, on Holly Brown. You saw Matt Milano make a nice block on uh, Mark Andrews right after Taron Johnson picked off the pass. So it really was a team effort um, to get Johnson in the end zone. And I just wanted to highlight what everybody else did other than Johnson. The other article I wrote was about the defensive line and how well they played and defended Lamar Jackson in particular, but the Ravens' run game in general. The Ravens' leading rusher only had 42 yards. They did end up with, like I think, 160 or 150 yards on the ground total, which seems like a lot, but the Bills were able to limit them really all day. Um, you know, there was a time when Trent Murphy got into the backfield and it was just him and Jackson, and Jans- Jackson tried to do his, his shake-and-bake routine, and Murphy just kind of stood there and waited for Jackson to pick a side and waited for his help to come. Um, he eventually did make the tackle uh, when Jackson saw that it was kind of a losing effort and just uh, tried to make him miss one last time, and Murphy grabbed him. But it, it goes back to that Mario Addison miss uh, against the Arizona Cardinals, and when he lunged for Kyler Murray, <clears throat> and Murray was able to kind of run around him and throw the Hail Mary at the end. You know, if, if, if Trent Murphy was in that position, he would have just stood in front of Kyler Murray and made Murray do something else or waited for his help to come. Uh, it was a very headsy play uh, by a very seasoned NFL player. And the Bills were doing really nice plays all night. Like I said, they brought the blitzes, of course, but they also um, just had solid play from the defensive line. Jerry Hughes had two sacks. Um, you, you saw a great play from really everybody on that uh, defensive line. Mario Edison did have a sack in this game. Uh, so I, I just I give um, props to the defensive line. And, of course, Leslie Frazier deserves all of the credit. Him and um, Sean McDermott both had a great game plan for the defense to stop Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And that's, you know, I'll make this point, and I haven't written this yet, but the Bills still haven't put together a great game on both sides of the ball in the same game. And if they do, man, they can, I mean, they can beat anybody in this league. Um, You know, if if the defense comes out against the Chiefs and is able to at least limit what the Chiefs can do, like even like they did in the first matchup, um, I, I won't say that was a perfect performance, but it was a really good performance. The Bills' offense just wasn't on that night. And if the Bills' offense can be on while the defense plays like that to limit the Chiefs, I mean, that's that's the recipe to beat the Chiefs. Um, and it's the same way to beat the Packers or beat the, the Buccaneers or any other team that's already out of it. You know, if, if the Bills' defense and offense can both have a good game at the same time, oh, man, they could, I, we can win this thing. It's It would be nice uh, if we could get both sides of the ball clicking at the same time this Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, after a quick break, we'll come back. We've got a bunch of questions from you uh, that they've been sent in over the course of the last couple days. We'll answer those and uh, get to some more information here on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're back. And news broke on Sunday that Brian Dable had pulled his name out of the head coaching searches with the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to stick around for the 2021 season. Uh, Most of us thought he was going to end up with the Los Angeles Chargers, but when they named um, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator uh, Staley as their new head coach, uh, Dable decided to stick around in Buffalo with his um, with his really nice setup. You know, he's he's home close to family. Um, he's got stability. He's got, you know, an MVP caliber quarterback. Uh, he can just, you know, maybe have his pick of jobs next year. Who knows? Um, so that was good news. But um, our first question uh, comes right on the heels of that and says, what is the percentage of time that Josh Allen checks out of a day ball called play? It's an interesting question because you have to take into account the fact that a lot of the times they're giving package plays. So it's a, you know, a check with me call. Um, And really it's two plays called in the huddle at the same time. And so they get up to the line. Josh Allen sees that there's no linebacker in the middle of the field and they're playing man coverage. So maybe it checks to a running play up the middle because there's no linebackers and there's nobody to cover Josh Allen. That happened a lot against the Indianapolis Colts where they kind of vacated the middle of the field. And that's why you saw Josh Allen taking, you know, six or seven yard runs right up the gut. Um, other times, you know, you'll get up to the line and you'll, he'll see that it's cover two and he'll check into the, their uh, zone beating pass play instead of the man beating pass play. And so a lot of the times it's a check with me call, not necessarily Josh Allen audibling out. So it depends on kind of what your definition is of that. Um, they're working together very closely. They're working together as one. I don't know if there's anything that we need to you know, take away from, oh, well, Josh Allen keeps overriding Brian Dable. I don't necessarily know if we're seeing a ton of that, but we're seeing a lot of, okay, here are the three plays that you we have called, and then you can audible into, remember we used to keep seeing, uh, hearing that um, gold audible or pearl audible where they would um, audible to the wide receiver screen. I don't know if we're seeing that a ton anymore. We're certainly not hearing it as much on the broadcast. Um, But we are seeing a lot of those check with me type plays where they call two or three plays in the huddle. And then when they get to the line of scrimmage, Allen's tasked with making the decision about which play would be best. Thanks for that question over at Rumlings Q&A. Are there any updates on the health of Devin Singletary and Gabriel Davis? It seemed like Davis had an ankle problem and Singletary seemed to limp off with a cramp at the end of the game. Uh, We didn't see him again. Singletary uh, did leave the game. Uh, TJ Yeldon came in to finish off the game. Um, But at the end of the game, Singletary had his helmet on and was, you know, walking around uh, shaking hands at the end of the game. So I'm not, I'm sure that's not like a huge issue. Um, 
Like if he had to go back into the game, maybe he would have been able to. Um, so he'll probably be on the injury report, but I would anticipate he's going to play in the AFC Championship game. I would probably guess that Gabriel Davis is going to play in the game as well. Uh, didn't seem like an injury that is going to you know, completely remove him. I mean, he might be limited, like Cole Beasley's gutting through his injury, uh, was held without a catch against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but I, I just highly doubt it's going to keep him out of the AFC Championship game. Um, but we don't have an update on Davis. I haven't seen anything. Uh, the Bills haven't practiced yet. They didn't really talk about injuries on Monday. Not that Sean McDermott ever talks about injuries. So um, we'll have to check the practice report on Wednesday uh, when the Bills have their first practice of the week. Rory Doolin asks us, how do you plan for Mahomes or Henny differently? Our defense seems to excel when we try to take one thing away, like the Ravens run game or the Chiefs big pass play. But how can we stay strong in a more even defense rather than selling out one way or the other? Well, I think they're going to game plan for Mahomes playing. Uh, much more dangerous if Mahomes is in the game. But at the same time, they'll have in the back of their heads what they're going to shift in the event that Chad Henney comes in. Um, you know, Henney's shown his ability to chuck it down the field. I don't know. He's certainly not as good as Mahomes at doing that. Um, but I think they'll be able to take advantage of, of Henney if he's the quarterback for the entire game. But you have to plan for Mahomes all the way. And I assume that they're going to try to limit Mahomes' big playability again, just like they did in the first game. Take away the deep shot. Take away the deep ball. Um you know that might allow uh, Travis Kelsey to eat a little bit underneath, um, just like he did in the first meeting. But it, um, you know, they have Matt Milano fully healthy for this game. They have Tremaine Edmonds fully healthy for this game, um, and that was not the case the first time around. So those guys are going to get into the passing lanes and be able to help coverage on Kelsey underneath. And uh, so it should be better than it was um, earlier in the season when the two teams met the first time. Uh, because those linebackers are back and fully healthy. Um, you have your safeties over the top uh, with the speed of the Chiefs. Um, the fact that everybody's there and healthy just makes such a huge difference for this defense. So I, I don't know if it necessarily changes too much between Mahomes and Henny, other than you're a lot more afraid of Mahomes kind of slicing and dicing you in the passing game, um, whereas with Henny, you might go after him just a little bit more um, with some well-timed blitzes and um, changing up your coverages to confuse them a little bit more. Thanks for your question over at Rumlings Q&A. Andrew Sunday asks us, what's the plan at running back? Does Freeman get a look? Or even a wide receiver, does Stills get a look as well? Well, I mean, a little bit's going to depend on the health thing. If Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley somehow take a nosedive and can't play, you know, you might see stills, but I doubt you'll see stills because I think both Gabe, Gabe Davis or Gabriel Davis, excuse me, and Cole Beasley are going to play. Um, same with uh, Devin Singletary. If, as long as Singletary is able to play, I don't expect to see Freeman. He hasn't been around long enough. Um, the Bills promoted Antonio Williams last week and not Freeman, um, even though. Williams eventually was inactive for the game. They still promoted Williams ahead of Freeman. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see either of those practice squad guys make their debut in the AFC Championship game. Mark Zurich asks, what do we need to do to keep Kelsey from killing us? 
and I think I answered this a little bit earlier on, you know, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds were not healthy in the first matchup uh, against the Chiefs, so they weren't able to have those underneath coverage responsibilities that they normally do. Milano didn't even play in that game, and Edmonds was still nursing that shoulder injury. So with Milano back in the lineup, I think it is a game changer for this team. And he's the linchpin of this defense. You've seen it since he's come back and been fully healthy. Uh, the run game has got better. The, the pass defense has got better. I mean, just think about the Bills defense since the bye week. The only team that's scored more than 24 points on them since the bye week is the Miami Dolphins in week 17 when the backups were in for half the game and the Bills won 56 to 26 so they really weren't concerned about holding the score down um, they gave up 17 to the Los Angeles Chargers one of their lowest point totals of the season uh, they only gave up 15 to the Steelers 9 to the New England Patriots not 3 to the Baltimore Ravens 24 to the Indianapolis Colts like the Bills defense has been stout since the bye week and I don't think it's an accident that that's when Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano got healthy. So, I mean, if, if you want to know how to defend Travis Kelsey, it starts with the two of them in the middle of the field, disrupting passing lanes and uh, taking away that kind of short middle area of the field. And I, I think they can do it. Those two guys healthy make such a big difference. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumblings Q&A. Last thing for today, I wanted to share an email I got from uh, Buffalo Rumblings Mether, Buffalo Oblivious. Um, <laughs> he wanted to draw the parallels between the 1991 AFC Championship game and the Bills' divisional win against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Bills beat John Elway and the Broncos 10-7 in a game dominated by defense. Uh, the score was tied at halftime. Denver missed two field goals that bounced off the uprights. The Bills had a pick six interception return for a touchdown this one from Carlton Bailey. Elway was knocked out of the game in the fourth quarter. There's just so many similarities between those two games. Um, and that's right. Uh, so I think it's um, fascinating uh, for some of the people that lived through the first Super Bowl run to draw parallels between the two teams. I was young. I was aware of football at the time. I knew something exciting was going on. I had Bill's gear, Wart school, all that. But, you know, I was what? Seven? I think it was seven when the Bills went to their first Super Bowl. So it's not like I remember, you know, the X's and O's of all of those games. And so uh, it's fascinating when folks that do remember all that stuff uh, reach out and, and share that information. Um, I've been telling my um, students that as well. It's like, I remember how it felt. I remember like knowing that the Bills could win every single game that they played. And that's such a unique feeling it's something we shouldn't take for granted um so thanks for that reminder of 1991 while you're over on buffalorumblings.com make sure you check out um all of the new t-shirts that breaking tea is selling they're selling uh, diagrams of taron johnson's pick six return they're selling um get the tables they're selling a humble and hungry shirt uh, there's i think four or five different designs over at Breaking Tea right now that you can get your hands on through the affiliate link on uh, the homepage over at buffalorumblings.com. Go check it out now. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. The next time we talk will be after the AFC Championship game. 
As always, you can leave your questions at 716-508-0405. Voicemail and text line, again, 716-508-0405. Tweet us at rumblingsqa. Uh, email buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook messages and Instagram messages to the Buffalo Rumblings official Twitter account or official Facebook and Instagram accounts will make their way to me. Uh, there's lots of ways to get in touch with the show and have your question answered um, on next week's show or beyond into the offseason. So uh, with that, I'm going to sign off. Go Bills. Thank you.